Well, good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Jen A., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from Colorado. Today is Thursday, December 9th. It's 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, and today we're going to read from the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We are on page one, pardon me, page 152. That's the chapter of vision for you. We're going to be reading that first paragraph that says, we have shown how we got out from under, and we're going to read and share on that one paragraph only. Today's readers um, is Teen Thursday. We have the 12 steps, Sama P, 12 traditions, Joni C. Our readers today are Larry G, Susan SH, and Martha Z is going to back us up. Um, The newcomer greeter is Vida S, and our second hour moderator is Nancy P. The reference numbers for yesterday, Wednesday, December 8, 2021, are the following. 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time meeting is 18,208-18208. And the 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time is 18,209. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine, and we take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and try to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. So our sole purpose here, OA's fifth tradition states that each group has but one primary purpose, to carry the message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a vision for you big book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Sema P. to read the 12 steps. Go ahead, Sema. Hi, Jen. Sema P. from Rhode Island. Can you hear me? Yeah, go right ahead. Okay, great. 12 steps of Overeaters Anonymous. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you. Thank you. I'll now ask Joni C. to read the 12 Traditions. 
This is Joni C., gratefully recovered but not cured in Minnesota. Here are the 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is the desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, An OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, Our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you. Thank you, Seema P. and Joni C. for reading the 12 Steps and the 12 Traditions. This is how our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and the literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. So our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. So to share, you'll press star one to unmute. And once you're done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speaker should be muted. So today we resume our study of the chapter, A Vision for You, in the big book on page 152. We're reading that first paragraph, and I will now ask Larry G. to begin reading. Good morning and thank you. My name is Larry G. and I'm a recovered compulsive eater from California. We have shown how we got from under you say yeah you say yes i'm willing but i'm going to be consigned to a life where i shall be stupid boring and glum 
like some righteous people I see. I know I must be getting along without liquor, but how can I? Have you a sufficient substitute? Oh, God, again, Larry from, Larry Compulsive Eater from uh, Northern California. Um, this this whole vision for you is really special for me because I, I came into... Um, I came into a vision for you when we were studying this uh, this chapter, and when I read this, I think you know this person. Yeah, this is normal and inevitable that uh, a person who uh, a new person is just getting sober, this program is going to feel this way, um, because we have no we have no frame of reference of what's life going to look like when we get uh, clean and sober from food. Um, I was serious as cancer when I came in this program. I was a dying man. I was irritable, restless, and discontent. Um, on May 17th, I was sitting on my couch. It was about 110 degrees here in Sacramento, watching some mindless football game, uh, just having, having had four dinners, and I wanted to die. I did not want to live, and I was a couple months shy of my 39th birthday in Alcoholics Anonymous. And I picked the phone up. I called this person who became my sponsor. She was my Ebby. She brought me into visions. I remember that first uh, 60 days when I was uh, getting getting some uh, clarity. My brain was uh, drying out. And I kept asking, is, is it going to get better? Is it going to get better? Is it going to get better? Because I was in the throes of, um, of detoxing. And um, I felt some days like I was detoxing off a crack. I was a sugar addict, a flour addict, volume eater, uh, salty snacks. And I kept asking that question, and my sponsor kept reminding me, life is going to get sweeter, Larry. Life is going to get sweeter. And, you know, I, I hung on to those words. I hung on to those words like a dying man because uh, I couldn't see how life was going to get sweeter without the liquor, without the food. I just couldn't imagine it. And I think that's what keeps a lot of us men and women who come into OA from getting absent. We are terrified of, the, of detoxing, and we have no frame of reference of what life is going to get like. Um, in the end, i self-employed. Um, I have a lot of time on my hand, and if, if it continued, I would have lost that business. If, if I would have continued that way of life, uh, I would have lost that business because most days I was useless. I would get up with a great Tony Robbins speech in my head, and somewhere something would go terribly wrong around eight or nine o'clock, and I would make a beeline to the bakery. I'd come in, I'd wrap myself in a blanket, I'd be binge watching Netflix. Um, the meeting time would come around, my local meeting time would come around at twelve o'clock. Sometimes I'd go, sometimes I wouldn't go. I was down to one meeting a week. I lost all self-respect, and I was a miserable person. Um, and we are we are miserable, useless, and in that state of mind when we are in a disease. Uh, today, I just jump out of bed. I can't wait to start my day, and I'm no longer a glum lot. My wife and I have a great time. Um, I go to the gym. I, I bicycle. I meet with friends. I go out to lunch, have a moderate lunch. You know, book that lunch in with my sponsor. Um, I'm involved in my spiritual community. I give service uh, to this group. I call new people. I enjoy those conversations. My wife and I go to conventions. We listen to Joe and Charlie tapes. We have so much fun. I just want to make sure that the new person hears that, that uh, life will get very sweet. And with that, I pass. Thank you.
Mm, thanks so much, Larry, for getting us started this morning. We appreciate you. And we value everyone's experience on the line this morning. So we ask that you limit your share to every third day. That way um, others can share and we can hear their experience also. So who would like to share on the paragraph that was read today? Kelly G. Larry. Nancy P. Bonnie B. Larry. Melissa. Sarah L. Wanda. All right, let's stop there. Okay. I heard a lot of names. These are the ones I wrote down in the best order that I could. So we have Kelly, Harlan, Larry, Melissa, Nancy, and Wanda. That'll get us started this morning. We will take another list of names. Um, three minutes or less. Go right ahead, Miss Kelly. Good morning. Hi, Kelly G in Florida. Um, I so relate to the reading and the, the lead this morning. I have been through the grips of this disease and um, this year has just been a year of hell. And what it looked like for me was the same thing. I would have a great workout in the morning. I would feel super motivated. Come for me, it was probably around noon is where the mind started going. And it started at noon. I would make a call because that's what I had to do, even though my mind was made up. Like on the call, I'm like getting dressed to go to the store. And where I live, everything's walking distance. So I'll go to the store and I'm like, oh my gosh, if somebody calls me back from, from the calls that I have made, maybe that's a sign that I shouldn't. And nobody called back quick enough. So that was my excuse. And I would eat until maybe like seven or eight, fall asleep, maybe hop on a meeting and still eat. And then I have takeout on its way. So that was my life. I was living alone. I was miserable. And I didn't see a way out. And I remember a week before Thanksgiving, I drove to my parents' house, and I just could not be alone. And I slept there that night, and I woke up in the morning. I'm in my bed. It's midday. And I get a call from a woman who I had called weeks ago, and she called me back. We ended up talking. And I think I fell asleep mid-conversation because I was in such a sugar coma. And she asked me, what if you can feel neutral with food in 10 days. Now, granted, I've been in program for 10 years, and I had a bunch of years of abstinence, and then throughout this year was my relapse. And I was like, 10 days? I've had three weeks, and I'm holding on for dear life. And she says, what if this is a new experience? I was like, all right, whatever you say. And I'll tell you something, in 10 days this time around, food was not even an issue. And today is three weeks for me, and it's getting easier. It's not getting harder. Before, every day would get harder and harder, and my fists were getting tighter and tighter. Today's three weeks. I'm finishing up my fifth step, and I feel so good. I don't feel like I'm in jeopardy by noon. I don't feel like I have to run to the food to save me because I can't breathe. I, it's just, it's amazing. And I prayed the set aside prayer for a new experience and it's happening. So really grateful to be here. Thanks for letting me share. Thanks, Kelly, for sharing that hope. All right, Harlan G, followed by Larry K. Good morning to you, Harlan. Good morning, Jen. And I'm going to need you to time me, please, because I'm not home. I'm walking. 
Uh, I'm Harlan G. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. I live in Scottsdale, Arizona. When I was nine years old, I went to the doctor, and Dr. Jacobson started screaming at my mother in Yiddish, and my mother started screaming at him. And when I was nine years old, I was on heavy-duty amphetamines because I was eating too much food, and food was destroying my life. And that's what I was told by the doctor and everyone in my environment. And everyone in my environment lied to me. They didn't lie to me deliberately. They didn't know any better. They said, don't eat so much. You'll feel better. And they didn't realize that food was not my problem. They didn't see what the food was doing for me. They only saw what the food was doing to me. They didn't know that food was not my problem. It was my solution to the problem. And it was a solution to the problem of my lack of power over emotions, the buildup of human emotion. And then one day I came in here and things changed. And I didn't eat so much. And I did feel better. I felt anger better. I felt fear better. I felt jealousy better. I felt like killing myself much better. But what they didn't know was when I was in the food, that food was my lover, my friend, my buddy, my pal. It was my go-to. A Twinkie could take the world that I was born into that didn't understand me and I didn't understand it, and the Twinkie could just transform me instantly, and it was magic. Magic. It made everything go away. I looked just like Steve McQueen, and I was as rich as Midas when I ate a Twinkie. And the purpose of this chapter, A Vision for You, what is the purpose of this chapter? Why is it called that? Because what the chapter is going to do, and we're going to get into a lot of history here, it's going to show me what the substitute is for the magic of a Twinkie. It's going to show me the magic of the spiritual awakening. And I have been food neutral for 22, almost 23 years. And I have a fellowship that has sprung up around me. I have a life today. Now, it's not exactly the way I would paint it, but I have a life. I have a purpose and a rhythm that underlie every day of my life. And I have a reason to be alive. And the reason is to be of maximum service to God and the people about me. And with that, as I hear your bell, Jen, thanks for your service. Thanks for taking the meeting. I will pass. Thank you. You're welcome, Harlan. Just a little ding-ding there for you. All right, Larry, you're up next, followed by Melissa C. Go right ahead. Ding-ding-ding. Okay. Hey, Jen. Thanks for your service. I'm Larry Kay. I, I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Um, I, we have a singleness of purpose here. I'm also an alcoholic and a drug addict as well, recovered today. And I mention that only because uh, uh, because this uh, paragraph uh, uh, focuses on, on um, my malady, which my malady, I don't know about yours, but it extends beyond that. Change can be scary. There, there's no, no doubt about that. And when I read this paragraph, but you know what's scarier than change? 
allowing fear to stop you from growing and progressing, you know, staying stuck. Nothing for me was as painful as staying stuck somewhere that I did not belong. And now, you know, we might feel secure in that pond that we're in, but, you know, if we never venture out of that pond, I'm never going to be able to experience the, 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 the miracle and the majesty of the, of the open ocean, that divine nature. My world is going to remain constrained and, and, and limited. Now, my, my life isn't filled with Pop-Tarts, other substances today. That's a fact. But I'll tell you something. It's filled with the most amazing, extraordinary human beings in this program who I get to love, and most of them love me right back. And my life doesn't, you know, it doesn't have, uh, you know, little Debbies or Sarah Lee or any of those <laughs> fun things. But I'll tell you, I've got a few Debbies and Sarahs in my phone contacts, and they're more than willing to take my call. And, you know, you see that you, you may wonder, as I did, you know, how am I going to get along without my binge foods? I, I, I just, it's scary. No way to, to numb myself. But fear will show up every time I'm growing and headed toward uncharted territory, right, towards, towards this divine dream that God has for me. And I'll wrap with this. You know, um, what was glum? Glum isn't today. What was glum and boring was those years of playing Scrabble. I used to play Scrabble on my laptop all alone, okay? And, and that, well, that's not entirely accurate. I, I sat next to a baker's dozen of Krispy Kremes and all that stuff. But, but I was alone. That was boring, and that was constrained, and that was limiting. Today, I'm surrounded by people that I love in this program. So thank you, Jen, for your service. And with that, I pass. Thanks, Larry Kay. Up next, we have Melissa C., followed by Nancy P. Morning, sister. Hey, good morning, Jen. Thanks so much for your service this morning. Good to hear you. My name is Melissa C. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. I live in New York. And, you know, I read this and I think, you know, a really common characteristic of me and my disease was delusional thinking. You know, an inaccurate view of who I was and who I am and what my life was. Because, you know, I remembered um, I am not an alcoholic. However, I cannot drink alcohol. And I say this because that was the thing that made me really sad because I found out I cannot have a drink without eating and at the you know towards the end um every single time I had a drink I binged and there you know and yet I did not want to let go it was painful for me to think that I could not drink socially with other moms I mean it was such a silly now looking back thing but it killed me it was like I can't have wine with the other moms and I'm like, well, who am I going to be? How am I going to socialize? How am I going to get along? You know, and, and then it was also like, I think this chapter is like, now what? Now what's my life going to look like? You know, and, um, and but the delusional thinking was really that it wasn't my reasons for participating, my reasons for having those glasses of wine is because I was longing for connection. And it's delusional thinking that my connection comes from a bottle. Because the truth is, I would have a couple glasses of wine. I didn't hear anybody at that table, those moms I was looking to connect with, those other women that I thought, you know, I wanted to be friends with. All I heard was the tortilla chips and the salsa, right? 
that's it. And so my life, you know, delusional thinking, boring, glum, was eating in the car, you know, the drive throughs that I would go through and sit in the dark in my car and eat. That was pretty boring and glum and sad, you know, and how many times I would be watching other people living their lives, you know, my family, sending my husband off to do stuff with the kids because I couldn't leave the house. Oops, Melissa, we lost you. You couldn't leave the house, and then we lost you. Okay, so I don't know where you lost. There you you, go. You know, okay, so, uh, yeah, so the thought was like, yeah, the way I was living before was extraordinarily boring and glum. And, you know, my, my understanding with getting recovered and doing this program of recovery was I could not think for a moment that I was going to fit this recovery into a life that I already had. Vision for You tells me I need a new life. I need a brand new vision and a new life. And is there a substitute? You betcha. You betcha there is. I am far more excited, enthusiastic, I think far less boring than I ever was before. Thanks. With that, I'll pass. Thanks, Melissa. Up next, we have Nancy P. followed by Wanda R. And then we'll take another list of names. Good morning, Nancy. Hey, Jen. Good morning. Good morning, everybody. Nancy P. Recovered in West Newton, Massachusetts. So um, I wasn't willing. I didn't say, yes, I'm willing. I was in a cage of fear and pain and rage and um, hanging from a branch. You know, my cage was hanging from a hook of resentment. And, um, you know, my problem was that I didn't want to go start at the beginning and go through and get to the end. I wanted to just be thin and serene. Just please make me thin and serene, and I'll do all that other stuff, I promise, later. Um, and, the, you know, what I saw at meetings for decades were people that looked happy and had fellowship, but I thought um, I didn't want that. I wanted to be me with that. You know, and me couldn't be that way, you know? I mean, how could somebody that's just consumed with with resentment and fear and pain and rage be like skipping down the road of happy destiny? And the answer is, I cannot be. Um, I didn't, I was convinced, you know, I love these boring and stupid, boring and glum. I was convinced that I was going to be like that. But when my fear and my pain and my rage crushed me, I came, you know, like to the door and I knocked and the door opened and I shut my mouth and I listened and I went through these steps and, you know, my sponsor never gave me any reassurances because her job was to bear witness and to teach me, you know, like in elementary school, I learned to read, and for the rest of my life, I've read to, I've lear- I've read to learn. And that's what my, my step process was. I was learning what this process was, and ever since then, I'm um, doing it so that I can live my life the way that I want to live it. And, you know, I always say when people tell you something, you know, when people tell you who they are, you should believe them. And, you know, if someone tells you that they, you know, that they're a teacher or a lawyer or a doctor or, you know, you believe them until you find them doing something else or find out otherwise. And my problem was that I told everybody to get out and leave me alone 
because I wanted to be alone and they believed me. And, and I believed me too. But what I found when I got to the end of this process was exactly the opposite. And I found out that, um, you know, if, this, if the life that I have now is stupid, boring, and glum, I'll take it. Um, because today my life is filled with wonderfulness. And my life is, um, you know, the, the life that I live today, the circumstances of my life are more precious than rubies, even though it's the same old life that I had but I just feel like a completely different person. And, um, you know, I don't, I'm not owned by my feelings. They don't tell me what to do or say. They don't dictate. You know, they just coexist with me and I do the right thing no matter what. And um, that freedom of knowing, that substitute for what I had is indescribable. I mean, a sufficient substitute, that's like saying, do you have... Um, do you want to have this Ferrari instead of that tricycle? And, um, you know, you, you can't say, I could never say, I can never articulate exactly what it is that I've gotten beyond that I'm happy, joyous, and free. I help other people, and I haven't hurt myself with food in several years. And um, all those um, dumb people that I thought I didn't want to be friends with, they... Um, once I knocked on that door, they didn't believe anything that I said, and they took me, and they hugged me, and they loved me. And now they're Thank all my you. friends, and I love them. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks so much, Nancy P. Wanda, before you share, let me just remind people where we're at this morning. So if you just hopped on the meeting, welcome to A Vision for You Big Book Study. Today we're in a chapter titled A Vision for You. We're on page 152, and we're reading the first paragraph that's there. That first paragraph begins with, we have shown how we got out from Chen? We got no Jen, we got no Wanda. Star one, Jen. Star one, somebody, Wanda, Jen. Who's next? Wanda. Can you hear me? It's Wanda. Who is after Wanda? Good morning. Can you hear me? Good morning. It's Wanda. Okay, I'm going to go. Go All ahead, right. Wanda. Go ahead. Sorry. Thank you. Okay, sweetheart. Thank you so much. <laughs> okay, it is now uh, time uh, to say that I'm glad I'm here. I'm glad everyone else is here. Thanks for having a meeting, so I have a meeting to come to. Uh, yeah, you know, not boring, glum, or uh, stupid anymore. My life was never boring or glum. It was full of excitement. It was full of travel. It was full of, you know, just uh, uh, doing everything I wanted to do and, um, you know, making the mess, cleaning up the mess. And, uh, you know, I know that, uh, you know, I'm, I'm just so uh, suffering right now physically. I have more pain in my body than I ever had in my life, but I'm very, very happy. I have the 12 steps. 
Uh, I don't overeat. It's been decades. And, uh, you know, I know that emotionally I can be a volcano, but the lava that comes out, uh, the lava, you know, is a process. And that if I pray to God, the process becomes better and better, pure and pure. Uh, and, um, you know, I, I know that, uh, you know, eventually uh, I straighten out and, uh, you know, I just can't rush anything and uh, I got to give myself a break and love myself and, uh, you know, enjoy life, you know, just really enjoy it. And I do. I am basically uh, doing a lot of uh, bad lying in the bed uh, due to the pain and suffering and, you know, but, uh, God gives me what I need, and I'm grateful, and, uh, you know, um, I have to learn, uh, you know, uh, how to be with people. People are the solution, uh, not the problem. I'm the problem, and, uh, you know, food was the problem. It's not a problem anymore, but uh, I don't do stupid things anymore. I pray to God. And with that, I pass. Have a good day, everyone. Thanks. Love you. Thanks, Wanda R. Thanks for everybody pitching in. I love this posse, this team of people that helped me out. (laughs) Dial back in, Jen, quick. Okay, so here we are. Um, We are uh, at page 152, and I'm going to take another lineup of names. If you want to share, press star one and give me your name, please. Dara L. Susan L. Dara I think Dara, Craig, Sarah, Emma. That's what it was. Thanks. And Chuck. Chris W. Chris. Jack W. Susan L. Okay, here we go. Let's see if we can do this group of people. All right. I heard. Dara L, I think I heard a Craig, Sarah, a Jack W, a Chuck K, and a Chris W. Okay, so if I didn't get your last initial or if I didn't hear you right, just correct me, please, and thank you. <coughs> Miss, um, otherwise, press star one to mute the line. And then Dara L, go right ahead. Great. Uh, this is Dara L. Jen, can you hear me? Absolutely. Go right ahead, Dara. Okay, awesome. I'm Dara L. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Philadelphia. Um, So the lie I told myself was that what I had to get out from under was my external circumstances. And for me, recovery has meant waking up to the fact that actually what I have to get out from under is the crushing weight of being myself and my thoughts and my feelings and the way that I filter the world. and and that's impossible for me to do without God, right? Like I can't I can't I can't get I can't get away from me uh, without an escape mechanism. And and from you know food was my escape mechanism. It was the thing that gave me a relief from the pain of being me. And I you know I mean anyone who's a real compulsive eater or anorexic and bulimic like me knows what it feels like to be crawling outside of their skin regardless of external circumstances. Like I've had wonderful and beautiful things happen in my life, horrible things happen in my life. Like, you know, the in-between stuff, which is to me even worse than either of those. Like, you know, just 
all that external stuff is so meaningless. It's about the, the fact that inside of myself, I am destined to be always uncomfortable without something to worship. And for a long time, food was that thing. Um, you know, it, it filled me up. And then when it stopped, I mean, it never lasted. Um, but, you know, I just always thought, well, if I just get the better combination of food, you know, then it'll, it'll work. Or if I just throw up a little more, or just starve a little more, like what, I don't know. I was delusional. Um, and, and the sufficient substitute, you know, like today I have to know that what I'm seeking, I always think I'm seeking things outside of me, but what I'm really seeking is a sense of ease and comfort within, right? And so today, I get that from God and yes, I get that from my fellows and I get that from working the steps and I get that from sponsorship and, and all of that. But it's, I have to, I have to stop chasing the illusion that what I'm trying to fix exists outside of me. And for me, the, the biggest realization was that, you know, whether I was stupid, boring and glum, whether I was, you know, smart, exciting and attractive, whatever it was, like, I just, I hated being inside of my skin and I hated being inside of my life, regardless of what that skin looked like, regardless of what that life looked like. Um, and still today, you know, I can forget that I, that how, how much God does for me and how much God fills me up and how much this fellowship fills me up. And that's why, you know, I'm so grateful that I have 10 steps that I have an 11 step practice, step 12. And I heard that, um, yeah, and, and it's so much better, like, you know, keep coming back and keep doing the work. It is such a better substitute than anything, you know, any food item ever, and it works, um, and I'll pass. Thanks, Dara L. from Philly. Up next, I believe we have a Craig. Did I hear that right? If you were, if you said your name and you were Craig, press star one. Otherwise, I think I misheard. Okay, how about a Sarah? Do we have Sarah? Wow, I might be two for two. Okay. How about Jack W? I know I heard you, Jack. Can you share with us now? Press star yes. one, Jack. Thank Hi, you. This is, thank you, ma'am. Hi, this is Jack W. I'm working on um, step four with a vision for you sponsor. I'm doing my... Uh, fourth um no i completed my fourth column i'm doing my fear list and wow just so many years in food uh programs i went to rehab in 1990 quit drinking in 88 quit smoking cigarettes in 89 it's like the whammo game when you hit the gopher down, something pops up over here. And uh, so food became an issue real bad in 1990, went to rehab. And I've been doing the roller coaster ride for 31 years. And um, uh, a lady shared her experience with the vision for you, and she had the glow. And I could just tell she had the spiritual awakening and uh so i i said you know what i'm i need to try something different so i'm so glad i got on the vision for you i called a man the same morning that 
um, and this is off topic of the reading, but, and then it's not, but I called the man that uh, spoke up and said he had time available to sponsor someone and I called him and it's been a couple of weeks now. So progressing with the steps have uh, high expectations on uh, being a recovered a compulsive overeater and I and my life and high expectations on a happy joyous and free life to come and it's just so much better already I that Dr. Jekyll Mr. Hyde behavior with my wife um, is better I I still need jerk react and but I live I'm living in 10 11 and 12 you know, where I can talk to her and, and make amends and ask God for help and and then do my meditation and, and help others and uh, and get that genuine joy from that way of life. So first time I've spoken other than to say I'm a newcomer and just uh, was listening to people and thought I would... Um, share how grateful I am. Thank you, Miss Jen, and thank you for your service. You're welcome. You're welcome, Jack. What state are you calling from? So people can look you up on the on the list. Reach out to you. Oh, he disappeared. Jack W. I don't know where you're from, but um hopefully you're on the new on the on the list on a vision for you. Up next we have Chuck K followed by Chris W. Good morning to you, Chuck. Go right ahead. Hey, good morning, Jen. This is Chuck Kay from Georgia. And um, what really boosted my recovery was about three years ago, looking at my food plan. And basically what had happened is I've been plodding along with the food. I really didn't like people telling me what I could and couldn't eat, how I should and shouldn't eat. And uh, finally one day I became desperate and I said, well, I'm just going to do what these people have said. And the way that happened was through a lot of fear. I had talked to my sponsor. I wasn't very honest about where I was with the food. And he basically said, well, I want you to start sending me your food. And up until that point, we've been talking about a year, never asked me about my food. And I remember thinking, holy smokes, he's not going to put up with what I've been eating. And I, I had a decision to make. I thought I can lie to him, I can drop him, or I can for once be truthful. And when I decided that and I gave up the things that I knew that I needed to, when I came to terms with that, there was a tremendous amount of fear. Some of the most fear I've ever dealt with in my life. And for, it, was, it was about a week. It, it was really, really bad. And what I learned was, forced me to lean into God because I basically told God all the things that I knew that I couldn't do this. If I could do it for a short period of time, I couldn't make it permanent. I've never been able to do anything like that. I've always flip-flopped around and all of that. And I remember telling God, you got to do this for me. It's not going to be something that I can do on my own. And you know, God showed up for me. And that was, that was the beginning of what's now about a three or four year abstinence from sugar flour, sugar substitutes, and a lot of other different things. And what I found was 
my life was so much better than it had ever been because I was engaging with people in a way that was giving them hope, and they were giving me hope. And I stopped trying to think about what I'm getting from these meetings and what I'm getting from these other people and what I'm getting from this program. And I began to focus on what I'm giving. And I think that really sums up a lot of what A Vision for You is going to talk about, how we engage with each other in this program. There are people here that are struggling. We've heard them today. There are people here that are not struggling with food. There are people here that are not struggling with food but still struggle with life like I do. I heard it said today, it, I don't have to have anything going on in my life for me to be miserable. My mind will take me there. But a wonderful set of choices are ahead of me when I decide to pick up the phone, when I decide to go to a meeting, when I make an outreach call, when I make a step 10 call, when I take a call from someone else, even when I don't want to. And that's, that's the vision for me. That's how I'm being of maximum service to God and to those around me. That's how I'm being of service in this world. And that's a wonderful life. I hope anybody that would like to have it can do the work and, and have it for themselves. Thanks for letting me share, Jim. You're welcome. Thanks so much, Chuck K. from Georgia. Up next, we have Chris W., and then I'll take a few more names. Good morning, Chris. Hi, this is Chris W., Chris with a K from Nashville, Tennessee. And I had made a commitment to my job, God, my God squad, that I would share once a week because I've just been taking and taking from this meeting and not not giving and not um, sharing what's really going on. And I would have had 40 days today of absence from my um, trigger foods, my red light foods, but I chose to, or the disease chose to um, put me in a, a binge yesterday. And I even was conscious that I should call someone. Nope, I'm not going to. And someone even called me and I, I didn't answer the phone. So I'll call you back later. Um, but I just have an excitement that what I've done for the last year, I came into the meetings in December 31 of, um, in 2020. And, um, I just always struggle with being totally honest with my food, honest if I started just wavering a little bit. So I didn't, could never even say I relapsed. Um, because I never really got clean. And I was pretty clean for um, these last month or so, but I still was um, eating a little more volume than I really needed to. And I wasn't owning up to that seriously. I have an accountability partner that I call, we call each other every day and, and share what's really going on. But um, I just woke up this morning, I was just sick and physically sick and mentally sick. And I thought, I promised I was going to share honestly and get on these meetings. And I just feel such a tremendous hope that if I could do um, what I had done and I need to be closer to God and focus on him more. And, you know, he does make us where we want to worship something. And it's really him that he wants us to worship and I've worshiped everything but him. 
So I'm just very grateful to be on here and, and that I could just come clean and fresh start today. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Chris with a KW from Tennessee. All right, we have time to take a few more names. Who else would like to share on the paragraph that was read this morning? Bonnie Susan Dean, L. Florida. Emma L. Susan and Bonnie. Emma L. Susan and Bonnie and Emma. So we'll try, Emma, we'll see if we have time for you. I've got Susan and Bonnie. Go ahead, Susan, press star one. Good morning, thank you. This is Susan L. from South Florida. I just wanted to um, thank everybody for being on this meeting this morning. I needed this meeting and I needed to hear what was said. Um, you know, it talked about in the paragraph about being, I, I believe if I understood right, that, you know, once you put the food down or alcohol, a food in my case also, because I am um, a compulsive overeater living in recovery today. Once you put that down, life becomes glum, et cetera, et cetera. I don't know if that's true or not, but what I do know for myself is that before I put the food down, when I was not living in a position of neutrality around food and um, was not living in recovery like I am today, that I didn't feel anything. There was no sadness. There was no, well, there was sadness. But my, the food dulled my senses is what I'm trying to say. The sugar and the flour, um, the packages and the boxes and the bags, so many bags. I felt nothing. The only thing that I felt was self-hate. My emotion all the time was on autopilot for self-hate. I pretended to be normal. I pretended to my work fellows. I pretended to my family. But inside, I was crumbling just like the cookie that I was eating, I was crumbling as well. And I thought there was no way out until I came back to this program um, 17 months ago or 17 months ago. And I've been in that position of neutrality without flour and sugar in my life since then. And I don't hate myself today. And I don't, I'm not glum and I'm not lying. I lied every minute due to this food, due to my food addiction, due to my food addiction to flour and sugar. I, I lied. I cheated. I did whatever I had to do to get the food. I don't live like that today. And that's all I ever wanted. Oh, and that, and I'm in a small body. And I was a big woman, very big woman. Um, and I'm not today. And I'm, I, I don't forget that either, because if I pick up today, I don't know if I'm coming back. So I have to express my gratitude to this program and to every fellowship that I go to of how grateful I am that I don't live like that. I don't live in that shame. Oh, shame was my middle name or should have been my first name. Um, it's not today. My first name is Susan. I'm living in recovery in South Florida, and I couldn't be more grateful. Thank you for letting me share. Thank you, Susan L. in Florida. Up next, we'll have Bonnie followed by Emma. Go ahead, Bonnie. Good morning. Thank you so much, everyone, for your shares, and thank you for hosting. Bonnie B. recovered for today from um, Florida. Oh, my word. You know, I say this whenever I have a chance to share on the lines. Um, you know, there were a handful of things that jumped out to me, the first one being um, um, the whole idea of glum. You know, my life glum before or glum after. Yeah, my life was glum. My life was I hate to word, use the word stupid, but um, the things that I did, the way that I wasted my time, yes, it was stupid, it was boring, and it was glum. Um, and, to, and to connect that with righteous people is just a crazy thought because I was, um, I was, in my own eyes, I was righteous, right? And yet I was in this disease. And um, the idea of being able to see 
you know, this is, this is the greatest thing to me is that I couldn't see what I couldn't see. Before I came into vision, I couldn't see. And so I tell people, you can't see what you can't see until you're, until you're willing to put on a different pair of glasses. You can't see what you can't see. I couldn't hear what I couldn't hear because I was listening with the ears on the outside of my head versus the ear inside of my heart. And, um, you know, my God has used everyone within this program to so gently um, reveal to me his kindness and his love. I looked up the word vision just for the fun of it. And the definition of vision is the state of being able to see. And it said she had defective vision. That's what I had. I had defective vision. I didn't want to have defective vision, but I had defective vision. I could not see my part in anything. I could identify um, why I was hurt. And some of those things were very real. I could identify the fear. I could identify the cause um, and what it affected. But I never knew that I played a part in it. I never knew that there was another part for me to see. And so this, this, this paragraph with the idea being that one day, you know, or that, that if I end up getting to that point where I am um, clean, which I am by the grace of God, and at a normal body weight, which I am by the grace of God, um, I'll be boring and glum. My life is better than it's ever been. I, mean, I, I can't even put into words how grateful I am for the freedom I have, not in my body. Yes, that's part of it, but in my head. I get to wake up and I get to, I get to say, Lord, what would you have me to do today for other people? I was telling my sponsor a couple of days ago, the list that I give you in the beginning, it may seem um, cumbersome. It's just to create habits. But I promise you that at a certain point, it will go from I have to to I get to. I get to. And truly, we get to. And there is no greater gift. And um, so for each and every one of you that get on this phone line every day and do all the service you do and share and make this happen, um, I am so grateful. And with that, I will pass. Thanks, Bonnie B. from Florida. Emma, you have about a minute and a half. Would you like to take it or wait for the second hour? For Emma L. Go right Can in. you hear me? You have a minute and a half. Yeah, yep, I'd you love, have a minute and a half. I'd love to. I'd love to mark my seat. It's Emma L. from London. It's the first time I've ever shared on this other than introducing myself. I would um, come on daily and somehow fail to hear that I was allowed to share. I didn't think I was supposed to. Um, I've only realized in the last few days that I can. Um, I'm just loving the sharing today and thanks everyone for, for your service. Um, what I'm getting hold of is how when I was in the food, the, the fake smile that I had to put on my face, how I pretended to be at ease and to be happy when deep inside I was glummer than glum. I mean, what a word, glum. And uh, just recalling this time last year coming into the festive period when I'd, I'd been abstinent for a little bit, I broke my abstinence and having to put a smile on my face when it was my birthday and Christmas and all of these things. And, you know, today that smile is genuine and from the heart and I'm, I'm just full of gratitude. Um, when I'm in the food, my life gets so, so small. I have no capacity for anything other than trying to fight the food. And today I'm not fighting anything. And that's my time. I'll leave it there. Thank you. Thanks, Emma L. from London for getting on for the first time. You're always welcome. Glad that you spoke up. Glad that we have everybody here. Thanks. That's going to take care of that hour for today. And thanks to everyone who shared. 
Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following the closing. All right, so get your pens out. Here's the information for the share ID for today's meeting. So the uh, information is for Thursday, December 9th, 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. You can go back and listen to the recording. Uh, the number is 18,213. So we will now close with a reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will my friend Susan S.H. please read a vision for you? Thank you, Jen. This is Susan S.H. in Ohio. I'm a compulsive overeater. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Present your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.